1: Told
0: you lately that I love you. All right, Nate, you're going to have to explain you this. No one else
1: above
0: you. Well, as we know, Matthew, it's uh, your final... Is this your final Sports Talk Saturday? This is my yeah, final yeah. Sports Talk Saturday. Yeah, so I figured Rod Stewart would just be a fitting way to start the end.
1: You
0: so you thought... <laughs>
1: Boy, this is the last time that Matt and I will do Sports Talk Saturday together. Who comes to mind? Rod Stewart, immediately. Rod Stewart. Okay, I can buy it. Yeah, that's what I figured. Since since you're a big
0: Coldplay fan, I (laughs) always question your musical decisions (laughs) pretty much no matter what. And Brayton said, you know, you should just play some Coldplay. And I said, well, I don't want to get the mood set where, where Matthew's... Like anxious and upset yeah. to start, you know. So I figured let's set the tone a little. Although sometimes
1: that works out pretty well. Last week you played that Colin Cowherd thing right as I came in, and I got anxious and upset, and we had a little fun with that. That's true. Um, well, awkward is probably worse than anxious and upset. But thank you for that. Yes, it is my last time doing Sports Talk Saturday. I'm moving to Minnesota, and before any of you text me or tweet me i know it's cold there i've heard that um it is colder in minnesota than it is in buffalo but it doesn't snow as much and it's a dry cold you know how like it's not the heat it's the humidity well they say it's a dry cold there that's happening uh friday is my last day here at wgr and uh I look forward to more touching tributes such as that one, Nate. I appreciate that. I'm going to go
0: cover the Vikings. What do you think of the Vikings, Nate? Should I be excited about that? Yeah, I mean, they're a young team. I love their coach. Big fan of the coach over there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, you've got a young franchise quarterback, uh, young receiving core, and maybe potentially the best defense in football.
1: I'm really interested to see how Teddy Bridgewater grows as a quarterback because coming out of college – Some of the narratives about him, his legs were too skinny, he wore gloves when he played quarterback, there was uh, the bad pro day, and I really liked what I saw from him last year, and I was doing some stats digging on Teddy Bridgewater, and I I found out that last year when they were inside the 10, inside the 10-yard line, he threw six touchdown passes inside the 10, and Adrian Peterson scored seven touchdowns that way inside the 10-yard line, whereas Matt Stafford threw 21 of his 32 touchdowns inside the 10. Now, one of the reasons that his stats weren't a little bit better, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater last year, is probably because they were handing off to Adrian Peterson when they got in the red zone, and then I found a quarterback rating calculator to see what it would have been just to make the point that i think he was very good last year they went 11 and 5 and he showed a lot of potential and that's a guy that i think here in buffalo if tyrod taylor had not shown up a former sixth round pick ufa uh that you just never get a free agent quarterback to come in and be a really good starter um just such a a boon for the Bills to get Tyrod Taylor and then, you know, signing him to the long term contract, getting an eight and six record out of him last year. If they hadn't, though, and we were still looking at EJ Manuel as the quarterback or drafted another one, Teddy Bridgewater would have been the guy that we looked back at and said, he could have been yours in the Sammy Watkins draft. And that could have been him and Derek Carr would have been the two guys that we would have focused on a ton. Since they have Tyrod, we probably won't look back at that and say, why didn't you draft Derek Carr? Why didn't you draft Teddy Bridgewater? There's some interesting similarities with the Bills and the Vikings, by the way. Uh, One of the first things uh, that I thought of was both teams have lost four Super Bowls. Both teams have had some kicks go awry. Gary Anderson's 39-yarder that would have put him in the Super Bowl. I believe it was against the Packers. And uh, then Blair Walsh last year, and he missed the field goal in preseason, and the Seattle Seahawks celebrated quite a bit because it was the Seahawks who he missed the short uh, 27-yard field goal against in that crazy game in the really cold in Minnesota last year. Now I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited about the Vikings team. They won the division last year. I don't really know what it's like to cover a team that recently won a division. Uh, They have been in the playoffs. They have a really good defense and they also have the same sort of fan mentality a bit as us. Just, first of all, being kind of out of control, but at the same time, you know, just obsessed with their teams. People from Minnesota are usually from Minnesota. I know that won't be my case when I move there, but most people are like Buffalo. If you live in Buffalo, you're from there. And that, that was one of the things that made me want to go, was the fact that... um you know, it's a team with a with a rabid fan base like this one who's been through, uh, you know, a lot of tough sports moments. It's kind of attractive. It feels a little bit like home to go to a place that's cold where there's still questions about the quarterback. They've lost four Super Bowls, and the fans are sort of down on themselves about it. But here's what I want to talk about. Sal Capaccio will join me in just one second. What I want to talk about today, and I'll get into this with Sal. So SB Nation posted this this morning. The Buffalo Bills are losing training camp. And it's a big article about off-field troubles, mistakes that are happening on the field with penalties and things like that. And, you know, one of the questions I want to ask, eight zero three zero five fifty is the number, one 888 2550 in the text line 550 550 I want to know if all of this stuff that has happened in the off season Marcel Darius suspension the Raglan the Lawson the injuries that have happened have they brought you down from where you originally thought the bills could be this season and I thought originally going into training camp 10 wins is about where I put this Buffalo Bills team I think the talent is there the quarterback is there 10 wins. I think I'm still there. I think I still have 10 wins as my standard. Let's bring in Sal Capaccio, be on the sideline uh, this late afternoon as the Bills play the Giants in preseason game number two. I know it's been bad, Sal, but I haven't changed the way I feel about the entire outlook as a whole. Am I nuts?
2: Well, first of all, did you like sneak into my office and grab my notes? Because this was like the topic I was going to broach at 2 o'clock today. So... I think that, you know, it's very interesting that maybe you did that. But, Matt, cool. hey, listen, I, I just want to say before I do anything, it's good to talk to you and, you know, sad and bittersweet that it'll be kind of the last time I guess we do this, right?
1: It will be, yeah. I'm actually going to be their Sal Capaccio. I don't know if they have a cool song for me there.
2: <laughs> we will come up with one. We'll come up with one. But congratulations. I'm just worried about the plants at the station. Who's going to water them? I really don't know.
1: Uh, Yeah, I know. Who's going to throw away all the bottles? in the stu- <laughs> Oh, wait. No, nobody ever throws them away. There's about a half dozen here.
2: Yeah, it's a a great topic. I I was thinking of the same thing today, um, you know, about where the expectations are after all of the news, and I really think for me, you know, the initial shock, I think for most people, the initial shock when you hear about Darius and possibly Lawson or whatever, oh my God, season's done and whatever, let's be honest, you know, in in the NFL, if you lose a key defensive player or two, you can get by. Um, You know, if you can score points and you have your playmakers on offense, You'll be fine. I don't think I'm quite there with you on 10 wins right now. I've been pretty much around 9, and they can maybe get to 10 with some luck and health along the way. I'm probably about there, but I'm thinking this this, this can still be a 9-win team. I don't think any of the four teams they play, especially because... The Patriots won at Brady week four. I don't think any of those first four teams are insurmountable. They can beat any of them. They could also lose to any of them. We're looking at a, a possible still two and two, three and one start. Sure. Things could go one and three. I don't think this changes necessarily anything definitive on how I'm thinking about that.
1: Well, that's the thing, Sal, for me is one of the big factors of projecting my number of wins when we started training camp before any of this happened, or even when they just drafted Lawson and the roster was almost set was looking at the schedule and I have never thought this schedule is incredibly hard. I mean, there are a few games on there where you go, yikes, going out to Seattle. Good luck with that. And Arizona is going to be a tough one, too. But the divisions that you're playing here don't feel impossible. There's two good teams, two teams that you don't have a lot of respect for in in both the, the out of conference division or whatever you want to call it, out of the AFC East divisions that they're playing. I don't know what to think of the Rams yet, but I, I don't really know uh, what going against the rookie quarterback is going to look like if Jared Goff ends up starting at that point, or is starting at that point. The 49ers, I think, are a pretty bad team. I mean, I just look up and down. Yeah, maybe I should have a little more respect for the Jaguars. A lot of people have said don't sleep on them. You know, maybe the Raiders are better this year. I don't look at it, though, Sal, especially with Brady missing that first game, like you said, as a huge uphill climb schedule that would make it impossible for this team to get to 10 wins despite the fact that they're missing a few players on the other side of the ball. Now, if Tyrod Taylor went down, I would say yes, absolutely. But to me, the most valuable player on the team is not only there, but I think has had a really good training camp.
2: I agree with you, but here's the thing. I think when I look at the schedule too, let's talk about the Patriots for a second. I don't care if you have Marcel Darius or not. You can. People have said, "Well, should they expect to beat the Patriots with Garoppolo?" I'll answer it this way. I honestly, Matt, I, I can't find. I can't think of one of any other team in this league, not one, that if they started their backup quarterback. The Bills shouldn't at least expect to beat. Shouldn't you expect to beat every single team in this league with their backup quarterback? When you have Rex Ryan as a coach, I don't care who your back. I don't care what team you're talking about. There's no team in this league that has a Hall of Famer as their backup quarterback. You know, you don't. You don't get Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers goes down. You get Brett Hundley, right? So I think that you should expect to beat any team in this league if you're the Buffalo Bills with Rex Ryan as your defensive coach and you know his defense going at it and essentially your coordinator with any backup and then I agree with you about uh, the Rams look going out west is not easy of course it's not anything can happen but if it's Jared Goff it's a rookie I I would expect Rex Ryan to beat any rookie quarterback in this league regardless of what his name is regardless of where he was drafted so on that note I agree that yes there are some pitfalls on the schedule hey it's going to be hard to go to Oakland in December I think it's a tough game it's gonna be hard to face Ben Roethlisberger in Buffalo maybe going for the playoffs then those are times that you know you could easily see them losing those games but there are games on this schedule I think that you should at least expect this team to win regardless of who the Bills are losing on the defensive side of the ball
1: 8030550 is the number to jump on how much has this stuff the bad offseason changed your win projection from where it was when the Bills started training camp and a big factor for me is the division sal because i was looking at an article the other day for a guy for pro football focus sam monson who's been on the station before i've had him on sports talk saturday a uh, guy that i really respect his opinions he has the bills finishing second only behind the patriots he thinks the patriots can get by enough with garoppolo to maybe split and then they get tom brady back and go back to being you know the patriots the dolphins and the jets this is another reason that i I'm not guaranteeing 4-0 and or anything, but I think at 3-1 and is a pretty good possibility against those two teams. I am not respecting a Ryan Fitzpatrick team. Ryan Tannehill has been eaten up by the Bills the entire time he has been a Miami Dolphin. I just can't get to a point where I say this thing is just a total disaster because they're going to miss Darius for a couple games, because they're without Ragland for the season, And because of Shaq Lawson being out now, because it all comes back to me for, I have changed my mentality about how I look at the bills for the longest time, Sal, it was always about, well, let's just hope they could score 12 points and then shut the other team out or something. Right. And I don't look at it that way. Now I look at it as the bills are, should be focused on a team that is saying, you're going to have to keep up with us offensively with Taylor and all the weapons that they have.
2: Yeah and you know you can even go further than that. I think you know the Jets to me were a team last year that overachieved based upon a uh, easier schedule that they had and based upon, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick having a really career year, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, he has really good receivers in Decker and Marshall. He would throw it up to them, but I think we all know that that's pretty much fits his ceiling. I wouldn't expect him to get any better than that, especially now going into, what, age 33 or 34. He's not getting any younger, and he was pretty much healthy most of the year last year. He got banged up, but he still played, so I think that plays into that. Yeah, Tannehill, I'm not really sure. I, I, m- maybe he's going to make a big jump under Adam Gase. I'm really not sure, but the Bills have done a very good job, but you're talking about a guy that's in his fifth year now in the league and hasn't quite taken that next step. He's a he's a nice player. He's good. A lot of teams would like a guy like Ryan Tannehill, but he's not a guy that that really scares you. I do think that the Dolphins improved their defense. You know, they did sign Mario Williams. He'll help there obviously, but uh, they've done some nice things on defense. They didn't look great in preseason so far, but uh, that's a team that doesn't really eh, move the needle for me. To be quite honest with you, and then you have the Bills. And it's funny you mentioned Sam Monson that he me- that he has him finishing second. He's also the guy. They kind of said in a negative way that the Bills' training camp was, you know, not quite as structured. And I don't know, he didn't use the word discipline necessarily as others that he's seen. But then he still puts them second in the division. So it shows you how much it really matters if he feels that, that that is the thing about their training camp. Every training camp, you know, is different, has a different feel, has a different tone to it and a different flow to it. I'm not too scared about the Jets. I think they'll have a, a drop-off year. They have a tougher schedule. Their key players are older. This is an old team. The Jets go down their roster, take a look at some of their better players, what positions they play, like a Darrell Revis who's already, who's now 31 years old, a Brandon Marshall, who's 32, starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, 33, inside linebacker David Harris, who starts, is 32 years old, Nick Mangold's 32. Man, Matt, that's a you know your best when your best players are your oldest players. I, I think you have to wonder how much in, uh, you can survive in a league of attrition.
1: They are ripe to fall back from yes. where they were last year. I, if I were picking, I think any team in the league that I said that I would say is going to take a big drop back from where they were in wins last year, I think I would go ahead and pick the Jets. Uh, t- tonight's game, Sal. I mean, we've mentioned all the things and all the players that have been lost on the defensive side, especially with the most recent suspension of Marcel Darius. Is there something to watch tonight for Bills fans as it pertains to the
2: defensive line and the Darius situation? I do think that uh, the outside linebacker spot is still really interesting because we don't know what's going on with Manny Lawson. We do know that there is some sort of investigation. We don't know if that will lead to any suspension And from various reports, that suspension could be one game, it could be two, it could be nothing. We don't know. So I think the Bills have a situation here where they got to get other guys ready. Now, I think Lorenzo Alexander is pretty much penciled in as the starter if Manny can't go. And as I've said, Matt, he's not going to wow you, but I don't think he's going to hurt you. He's going to be solid. Uh, you know, he, He's played every position in this league pretty much, both sides of the ball he's played, in the trenches. He understands. He's an X's and O's guy. Uh, he's been around for 12 years. You don't do that without uh, being able to really know what you're doing and be in the right spot at the right time. So I think they're okay there. He's not as good as Manny, but I don't think he'll kill you either. But if you have to go to Eric Stryker or uh, Bryson Albright, I mean, you're talking about guys who have never seen an NFL field in, an, in a real game, and you're going to – Lose some in talent, yeah, but you're also going to lose probably some lapses in understanding what you want to do in the defense. So those guys got to get ready. We'll see where they are. That's going to be a really interesting spot to watch tonight is that outside linebacker spot. How many reps does Manny get? Because I don't think the Bills know if he's going to get suspended. So how do they treat that? I think that's interesting.
1: Eight oh three oh five fifty, the number to jump on if you've got a thought on how much your expectations have changed through this, I'll go with it, Sal. I'll go tumultuous mm. offseason for the Buffalo Bills. Thank you. On the offensive side, Tyrod Taylor, people going out to uh, the game today. I was watching some Vikings and Seahawks the other day. Teddy Bridgewater sat out with a uh, sore shoulder, but Russell Wilson played a lot uh, deep into the second quarter. Do we expect the same from Tyrod Taylor to play quite a bit here?
2: I expect him to play the first quarter. I don't know how many series that is. Look, a a quarter of a football game in the NFL could be, depending on if you kick or receive, first of all, it could be two eight-play drives, right? Or it could be four series that all go five plays or less. We don't know. I expect him to get at least two, maybe three series in, probably go to the end of the quarter. Now, if you get a couple eight-play drives in, you score, get him the heck out of there. If you go three and out a couple times, you're probably going to want to keep him in there and then you know play it out a couple more series just to make sure that things are going right and you're back to you know your your rhythm and your cohesion that you want on your offensive line and with his wide receivers. So I would expect Tyrod to play about a quarter, give or take a series.
1: I would like him to spend the night in the press box, maybe (laughs) stopping by some suites, meeting some fans. Don't sign too many autographs because you might get a cramp is kind of where I would like to see him. He can go say hi
2: to Max. He'll be taking in his first ever game today.
1: Oh, very nice. Very nice. I always think that the preseason is a great choice to uh, take the kids out and stuff like that. You kind of end up with like a minor league baseball type of atmosphere. Much more relaxed. Everybody just hanging out kind of taking it in and not focused so much on uh, life and death with every play. And it's really nice today. It's supposed to say like this uh, out in Orchard Park?
2: It is, and it's it's Kids' Day. I think that's the best part, right? So you're not going to get your same necessary uh group of people you'd get in a regular season game when it's not Kids' Day, and I think it's a little more, I would say, fan-friendly. Of course, I think the Ralph, now New Era Field, excuse me, has made a lot of great changes over the last several years to make the fan experience for everybody really good. We've heard from a lot of fans about that. That's just not me talking, but fans have really said that. They are more apt to bring their families and their kids to games in the regular season even. But I think Kids' Day is the ultimate, you know, really – good test and good time to bring your son or daughter to their first ever game and uh that's what we're going to do today and my wife will be but i think max is going to be more excited to see daddy on the field maybe i'm not really sure how that's going to go yeah yeah it is going to be warm though i was told uh by some people in the organization hey you know make sure he hydrates because it's going to be warm out there today they're mm -hmm. expecting a a a warm day at at new era field do
1: you go cargoes on the sideline sale
2: I can't. No. Not really allowed in the draft You dress gotta code. go you gotta go slacks, huh? <laughs> I'm going with the slacks. I, I feel like there should
1: be a preseason khakis. exemption.
2: You know, the, the video guys get to do it, but they're, they're logging equipment around. I just got my little headset and microphone. <laughs> so I, I, I can't complain too much. I know, right? I thought about that, but no, that's all right. We'll stick with the dress code today, but got a snazzy new, uh, Bills, you know, polo shirt that, uh, the radio network, uh, guys got. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be wearing that down there. That'll be nice today.
1: All right. Very good. One last question for you, Sal. The guy that stuck out to me a little bit just, uh, I went out to the scrimmage and then in the preseason game two, wide, from the wide receiver battle, Jarrett Boykin. And then, Doug Whaley name-dropped him when we asked, who stuck out to you? Uh, Does Jared Boykin have a chance to make the roster, and what are we looking at as of right now in terms of the wide receiver battle?
2: He does have a chance, and I think his chances are greater because the team actually has those two roster exemptions for Marcel Darius and... Uh, Carlos Williams. Let's remember, you don't have to keep an extra D lineman or an extra running back because of the roster exemption. The Bills may choose not to. Last year, Darius was suspended for one game. The extra spot went to Bryce Brown. They needed running backs. So when he returned, they got rid of Bryce Brown. Uh, right now, Jarrett Boykin is in what I think is a battle between three guys to keep one or two. And those three guys are him, Greg Little, and Walter Powell. I think one of those three guys makes the team and possibly two of them. I can't see all three of them making the roster. To me, right now, it's clear that it's Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and Marquise Goodwin as your top three. Greg Salas isn't, and as I've said many times, isn't labeled to me, Matt. He's not a four necessarily, but he'll be on the team and in every passing situation, two-minute offense, third and long, you're going to see Greg Salas. On the field, so there's your four guys there. Des Lewis to me makes the team. They've too much invested in him. He's had a really nice jump from year one to year two. They're not gonna they're not gonna throw Des Lewis away, especially after a very nice start of the camp he has. Even though I think he's plateaued a little bit, I think he still had a, had a nice camp overall. That's five. What do you do with the last few sp- last spot or two if you mm-hmm. want to? Jarrett Boykin, Walter Powell, and like I said, Greg Little. And you know, for those who ask me about Marcus Easley, look, he hasn't played all pre all camp or preseason. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Easley doesn't see the field at all this year, or maybe even again in his NFL career. And I hate saying that, but this is, you know, he's coming back from a pretty severe knee knee injury, Mm -hmm. and he's a special team guy, and he's not getting any younger.
1: Well, Sal, you really ended on a high note there. Uh, but uh have a good time. Know, right? Have a good time. This uh, well, this how evening. about we this? How about, about we hook far. up
2: maybe in the last couple minutes before you the two o'clock hour, and I'll, and I'll I'll be a little more positive and upbeat <laughs> okay. before well, you're, we start. The but you were doing show. great there, right
1: until career-ending injury is. It's how going? about this?
2: I'll give you one. Colby Listonby.
1: Okay. All right? Yeah, he what's had the latest a sports
2: hernia. He had a sports hernia. He he ran still ran a four three or whatever it was at the uh, at the combine. He has yet to practice. He has yet to be a part of training camp. So they're not gonna be they're not gonna activate him. They don't have to. As long as he doesn't, they can put him on the pup list. He was out there in, sh- in, you know, shorts and t-shirt catching passes from an assistant coach the other day while practice started looking pretty good. I don't expect him to practice. I expect him to be kind of redshirted this year and then basically walk right into being able to be a speed guy for the Bills next year.
1: All right. Well, we'll look forward to when he can get on the field.
2: Thanks, Sal. All right, Matt, thanks.
1: Sal Capaccio will be on the sideline. We'll have the game, the broadcast, uh, John Murphy, Mark Calso, and Sal this afternoon. The Bills kick off against the Giants at 4 o'clock, and uh, I'll be back along with uh, Nate and maybe Brayton as well for yeah, okay, yes, uh, for post game later on tonight, and uh, we'll break it all down. Let's get in a quick phone call here before we head to the break. Let's go to Lou on the cell phone. Go ahead, Lou. Hey,
0: Matt. Uh, good luck at your new job. Thank you. No, we'll miss here. But uh, you know what? My expectations going into this were 8-8 eight eight because, you know, I just thought they were real thin at linebacker at the beginning of the season. Now they're worse. And now they've become thin at the defensive line. And I know they got, uh, you know, some replacements, but they're the rookies. And uh, if veterans last year had a hard time getting this system down, matching these guys. So I think unless we can shore up these linebackers and they turn it around, I'm looking at maybe sub-500. Okay,
1: Luke, well, you know, the guys that are probably going to replace the rookies who went down are players who have been in the league for quite some time. Zach Brown was playing with the Titans last year. He's supposed to be one of the better cover linebackers in the league. Brandon Spikes is back. He's been around for quite some time. Lorenzo Alexander has done it all in the NFL. He's been around for a very long time. I think he's been around for like 10 years plus. So the guys who are who they brought in are are veteran players. They're experienced. I guess the way that I look at it is and and we'll get to this on the other side cuz we're late for the break, but how much does it mean in wins? as opposed to how Tyrod Taylor performs. Because that's where I keep coming back to, is you probably expected to lose guys on defense. The Bills won games last year without good players on their defense. Aaron Williams, Kyle Williams, both hurt. And there were times where the defense played fine and they won games. They won that game against the Texans and played good defense without some really good players. You kind of expect that as you go along. The one thing that can really change your projection is if your quarterback gets hurt and the quarterback is okay at the moment. I don't want to see him play too much tonight. We'll keep kicking this around, 803 because I'm interested in some more thoughts on this. Whether your win total for the season has changed after a really tough training camp for the Buffalo Bills. Bills play tonight at 4 o'clock, or I guess we call that uh early evening at four o'clock out at new era fuel will have the broadcast here on wgr
0: oh he's he's done a great job you know he's come in this year he's been committed he's come in in shape and he's been able to pick up the system and he's been playing at a a very high level out there
1: that is defensive tackle corbin bryant he will be likely the fill-in for marcel darius when he is suspended for four games, eight zero three zero five fifty, the phone number to jump on. Matthew Collar with you, Nate Geary, Sports Talk Saturday, and the topic at hand is this. A lot has gone wrong during training camp for the Buffalo Bills. There's an article out, SB Nation, all the things that have gone wrong for the Bills. They have lost training camp is uh, the title. The Buffalo Bills are losing training camp. And there is no doubt that having Marcel Darius suspended, having Carlos Williams suspended, losing Reggie Ragland to injury, and then before that, Shaq Lawson having to have shoulder surgery, that happened a little before training camp. But the Bills have taken a lot of hits, and now there's a potential suspension on its way, possibly the NFL investigating Manny Lawson for an issue of player Conduct, policy, don't have a lot of details there. But that one seems to me doubtful that Manny Lawson would miss games right away if they're just in the investigation process. Also, maybe some good news for Marcel Darius. Le'Veon Bell challenged his suspension, and it was because of a missed test, which Darius said that's why he was suspended, and it was just dropped down from four games to three games. So there's a possibility that Marcel Darius could also have his Suspension reduced to. We'll see if that happens and the Bills get him back a little quicker. That would help soften the blow a little bit. Four games without one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL uh, is pretty rough. But all of this stuff has it made you drop your win total, drop your expectation, or has it not had a real impact on where you put your expectation for the Bills, where you put your prediction? I mean, I guess those are two different things, aren't they? Because the expectation is to make the playoffs. You have a quarterback. You have Sammy Watkins coming into his prime. You have great weapons in their primes, Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy. This is the best offensive line since I don't know when. Yeah, I mean, a couple of guys dinged up now, but they'll be starting in Game 1. Richie Incognito, Cordy Glenn, Eric Wood. This is a very good offensive line, the best we have seen in a really long time. And if you're going through the league and trying to predict where teams are going to be, do you ever, I mean, how many teams do you say, because of their defense, I think they're going to be one of the best? It's usually because of their offense and quarterbacks. It's usually, let's see, all right, who's going to be the best in the NFC East? Uh, Cowboys, why? Tony Romo is going to win a lot of games if he's healthy with them. Who's going to win a lot of games in the NFC North? Green Bay, why? Aaron Rodgers. Cam Newton probably takes quite a few games this year in the NFC South. Yet we know who has a good defense. There are a few teams here or there. Minnesota does have a very good defense. Carolina's defense was excellent last year. Probably Denver again will, although they did lose some talent, but they'll probably have a very good defense again. Most of the time... In, in the NFL, if you're trying to predict what where you think a team is going to be, the best way to do it is on their offense. And this is the best Bills offense in a very long time. If Tyrod Taylor carries over what he did last year into this season, if he's even just the same guy, they will have a very good offense that should have them in the mix for a playoff spot. That's our expectation. Now, that's looking at the roster. If you do it by the head coach, a lot of people look at it differently. A lot of people say with the roster that they have, it should be 10 games, even if they are missing Darius for a couple, and even if they don't have Reggie Ragland and are replacing him with Zach Brown. But can Rex Ryan actually get them to those 10 games? Because I think a lot of us felt like the talent for last year was a 10-win team that ended up winning eight games with Rex Ryan, and they pointed the finger a lot at the defense, and reasonably so. It wasn't entirely the defense's fault. There were four different games where the Bills had the ball in their hands with a chance to either tie or win the game on the final drive and did not get it done in any of those games. It was not just on Rex. In fact, quite a few times I went into the post game feeling like Tyrod Taylor did not do enough to get it done. One of those games being against the Patriots, where Rex's defense was fantastic and Taylor couldn't move the ball. Missed an early pass to Sammy Watkins in that game, and then it kind of went from there. Had a lot of trouble moving the ball. Philadelphia, they had some decent stats, but at the end of the game, Tyrod's got it in his hands and cannot go down the field and and win. But I mean, just from a roster standpoint versus what you would actually predict even without Darius for a few games, even without the guys you drafted, Lawson will be maybe half the season. We'll just throw it that out as the number out there. You still, I think most people are in playoff mode of thinking that that's where you should be. With Tom Brady missing a game, the division I don't think is particularly strong. But then if you factor in, well, can Rex actually get them to the where the roster talent is? Maybe a lot of people have it differently, or if you originally had them as a nine-win team or an eight-win team, like Lou who called in, then you probably feel like, all right, well that takes at least another win off of the board for the Bills to be missing Darius for a few games and the other players too. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. I mean, I, I think that this text expectations are still somewhere between six and nine wins. I think if we did the poll, that's probably where most would come up, but that's a huge range. If you win nine games, I mean, you could be in the playoffs. If you win six games, your season was probably kind of a mess. And depending on how Tyrod Taylor plays, that's where I always come back to. Because everything you ask me, do I think they could be a six-win team? I think that if teams figure out Tyrod Taylor, then yes, if he fails to be able to use the middle of the field a little more this season, if teams contain his running ability, if teams contain his deep ball, which might be pretty tough, if they force him to throw short, and he can't execute that, then yeah, they could end up with six wins. Or if you told me it's the same tie rod or slightly better, it that's what it always comes back to. Anytime that I run into people or have conversations with my parents or friends or whoever about this Bills team, I don't say, the first thing I I, I don't go to, well, they're going to lose Darius for four games, so huh, six wins, it's always, well, what, is it, what does this year depend on? It always goes back to the quarterback. It doesn't often go back to where I think the defense is even going to be necessarily unless it's a complete disaster like it was in New Orleans last year. I think we all feel like Drew Brees is a good enough quarterback to drag a mediocre team to be great, but they had one of the worst defenses in the history of the game last year. And I don't think anybody feels with the defensive talent and missing Marcel Darius for a few games that the Bills are going to end up being one of the worst defenses in the league. We all have this general range of where the defense could be, and that range is entirely overcomable if Tyrod Taylor is good, put it that way. If he plays the way that he played last season or a little bit better, the Bills could certainly overcome more. I guess when we originally went into camp, Rex Ryan pushed up the expectations by saying we'll be a lot better this year, we'll be a lot better this year. Okay, push the expectations up then. So instead of the definition of a middle-of-the-road defense last year, let's say you're, you're sneaking into the top ten. You're getting back in that Rex Ryan range that he always brags about being in the top ten defenses. So now you lose a couple of these key players. I think the lowest any of us would go if we just polled 1,000 people and asked them, where do you think the Bills' defense will finish this year? Let's say in points against I think most people now, after this, would still not say, oh, man, they're going to be like the worst defense in the league. I think most would still say they're going to be somewhere in the middle. And the Bills offense should be able to overcome that. So I haven't changed much. It doesn't feel great. And you don't want Marcel Darius, your superstar $100 million player, to be missing games because of a suspension. But when I see the headlines or people on ESPN making fun of Rex Ryan for saying we won the offseason back in OTAs, which, by the way, wasn't what he was saying. I mean, he wasn't saying that they won the offseason in sort of the traditional sense. He was very pleased with how they performed in OTAs. and just, It was kind of an off comment, but it's being thrown back in his face. And then you know, the same thing goes for the training camp. The Bills are losing the training camp and all this stuff. And there's got to be something to talk about on August 19th with any you know any NFL team. And Rex makes himself a target with how he talks to the media and things like that. But if we're just talking realistically, how much should it change, how you feel about the expectations of this team and where you expect them to be, it hasn't altered how I feel a whole lot. Let's get uh, Charlie in the west side here on WGR. What's up, Charlie? How are you doing this morning, guys? Uh, doing good. Talking about Darius, I wanted to give an example. A few years ago,
0: what, uh, the Rooney family in Pittsburgh, when uh, Rosenberger was acting like a big jerk, he, was a, he allegedly raped a girl and a few other things. They sat him down in the office... Red in the riot act, and he's been as quiet as a church mouse. He's been behaving. He's been playing good football. I think we have to start doing this in Buffalo. Not only with Darius, but uh, the other team we own with this kid Kane. They're acting like troublemakers. They're making a lot of money. They need
2: to be sit down and get read the riot act. And if they don't want to behave here, kick them off the team. That's all I got to say this morning, guys.
1: Okay, Charlie. Well, they the league suspended Roethlisberger for four games uh, before that. And I, I'm not sure what you mean by the riot act, the uh, Marcel Darius, whether he wants to continue to be a great player in the league and stay on the field or not. I mean, that's going to be up to him. Somebody yells in his face. I just don't see whether it makes a difference. I mean, Roethlisberger didn't want to be suspended more games. He also didn't want to be thought of long-term as the guy who was suspended or eventually ran himself out of the league for being a dirtbag and changed his mentality that way, or at least publicly. I mean, we don't really know, right? I mean, just from your perception, that's another thing. I mean, one, one thing that you should always keep in mind when we're judging athletes, like is happening to Darius a lot, is you don't know a lot. You don't know a lot about the guy. You only know what the media has access to, which I can confirm for you, is not a lot. So you don't know that Roethlisberger has cleaned up his act. All you know is that he hasn't been suspended lately. I'm not saying he hasn't cleaned up his act. I'm just saying you're you're using this as an example. The other thing is how many athletes, how many players on the Bills in the NFL have done the same thing as Marcel Darius and just not been so unlucky to have been tested at the wrong time. So when it's get in the guy's face, read him the right act, whatever whatever you want to want to put it. I mean, if you're Marcel Darius, you have a choice to stop putting yourself in a situation where you could be suspended and be a superstar and end up on the wall of fame or potentially the hall of fame with his talent or not. I mean, whether Terry Pagula, I mean, he's not a child. He's got 50 or $60 million guaranteed. I mean, it's just it's going to be up to him. It has nothing to do with uh, ownership here and holding up the Steelers. How about, Reed, what do you, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is suspended, and so is Martavis Bryant. They've, they've had a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver all suspended. Uh, but, you know, since they've won and stuff, uh, they get tagged with having the great culture and the genius owners and all that basically because they've had a great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, Nate, very soon, will have some Giants trivia for me, see what I know about the Giants. And Brian Koziel is going to check in as well. He's got a little kid birthday party, so when he can get away from that, he is going to check in on Jimmy Vesey, who decided to select the New York Rangers. But when we come back, a quick thought on Usain Bolt and the Olympics and what they have become about. And we'll get to that uh, next here. Sports Talk Saturday, Matthew Collar, Nate Geary on WGR.
0: I know from an offensive point of view, we're daily striving to get better. I know as a team we are. And, you know, it's funny, like once you hit the field or once you hit meetings, that that kind of stuff doesn't come up and it's not addressed. We're not in there making excuses. Hey, we got to do something special because we're losing these guys for the first few games. We just got to take care of our business and, and roll with the guys we got.
1: Hey, so the other day I had a chance to go out to Bill's training camp and talk with that guy, Eric Wood, about how we as fans and media watching a game should evaluate the offensive line, what statistics we should look at, how to watch the film, how you should analyze the, an offensive lineman. Because for so many years, we would get the phone calls and it would just be the offensive line's horrible. Every, fire the GM because every lineman is really bad. And uh, I think there's some great advice in there for Eric Wood for how to watch the game when you're looking at offensive line. And one of the things to always keep in mind with sports or just maybe your life in general is to understand the things that you don't know. And what Eric Wood said, and I, I don't want to ruin it, it's on my Twitter page, at MatthewWgr. Um It's pinned up there so you can listen to the podcast. But what, what Eric Wood said was when somebody... A linebacker, say, or a safety comes clean through the line and sacks the quarterback. Watching as a fan or media, you cannot tell whose fault that is. You don't know. There is no way to know. There is no way to know whose assignment it was. You can blame whoever you want, but you're not going to be able to figure it out without actually knowing the play and who was supposed to block that guy.
0: And what you have to realize, too, is you have to kind of get a better understanding of who directs the offensive lineman's alignment in most cases it's the quarterback but if you look at like last year was Tyrod Taylor in control and able to audible the for and the protection schemes in front of him we don't know that uh, the average fan wouldn't know that, so you wouldn't blame Tyrod Taylor for a blitzer coming free. But it's potentially his fault for not recognizing it and then audibleing to the offensive lineman.
1: Yeah, I mean, a good example if you remember E.J. Manuel's last game against the Houston Texans, I mean, there were so many problems with the offensive line, and I, I remember hearing that a few uh, linemen were frustrated because they looked bad when Manuel didn't make the proper checks. It's just stuff that you can't know. But Eric Wood was not at all taking the approach that you're, you're, you 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 are didn't play the game, you don't know anything. No, he's just pointing out that you can't know. However, if you watch, if you want to focus on one player, this is what I've heard Jim Kelly say this before too, that when he watches football, he's always looking at the defense. He's not watching the ball, that he's always watching how the defense is set up, thinking to himself what what he's seeing over there, what Tyrod should be seeing. And I imagine if Eric Wood is sitting at home watching football, he will focus on one-on-one matchups. And that's one of the things he pointed out, that it, it isn't always that way throughout a game, but for the most part, you're looking at their defensive player, say J.J. Watt, and how they approached slowing down J.J. Watt. Now, they used like three guys to try and slow down J.J. Watt in that Houston Texans game last year. But a lot of times, you'll have a one-on-one battle. You'll have a guard versus a nose tackle or you will have a tackle versus a pass rusher and if you watch that on a play-to-play-to-play basis you could start to get an idea of how good that player is and I mean, I know you're trying to just enjoy the game as a fan, but some people, uh, you know, want to know a little bit more, or maybe you spend some time in the preseason game doing that. Like, focus on Cyrus Quanjo tonight. This is kind of how I like to watch the preseason games, where I'll sort of spread around who I'm watching. You know, I I was watching Brandon Spikes to see what he looked like last week, and I thought, "Mm, he's going to have a long way to go before he gets back up to full speed. Let me watch a couple of plays here of Cyrus Quanjo and take a few notes on how he looks. Looks gigantic. The feet, still not moving as fast as I need them to move uh, to play on every down. But could he fill in uh, a little bit more competently than he looked when he first started? Yeah. So that's kind of the way that Eric uh, Wood suggested doing it. Um, Real quick on the Olympics. I know we got to hit the break here. It's become about one, two, three people every time. And I like it and don't like it at the same time. It's become about Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt. Where the coverage, it ends up feeling like it's getting a little LeBronized or Tiboized. I know these guys are winning, but it's the features. It's the watching them sit there looking at nothing. <laughs> Is there some sports we could be watching, or do we have to look at Michael Phelps in his hoodie? You know, I mean, they were running a feature last night and missed uh, one of the long races where somebody got passed for first place. Like, uh, didn't we want to see that? Still, Usain Bolt is a freak show, and there isn't anything more exciting in sports. There are other exciting things in sports, but I don't know if there's anything more exciting than watching him run. that has been fun. And, and Phelps, I mean, they're great, and the superstars are great. It's just there's a little bit of a conflict between the coverage to make it most exciting and focus on the stars and focus on the Americans, and then also wanting to feel the full breadth of the Olympics and learning about you know people that you wouldn't have known about otherwise. Eight oh three oh five fifty, the number 1-888-550-2550. If you want to jump on Sports Talk Saturday, question at hand is this. The Bills have had a pretty rough training camp with injuries and suspensions so forth. But has it has it actually changed your win projection for the team? Your expectation of where you put them? And there's another spin to this that involves Rex Ryan that I want to discuss. And we'll talk about that. Brian Coziel will jump on, discuss Jimmy Vesey as well. When we get back, Matthew Collar here on WGR.